Good morning and happy Sabbath. So good to be here. Trust me, it's really good to be here. (laughs) There are times when uh, you want to kiss the ground. Well, we had an experience where I wanted to kiss the ground in California after a vacation in Mexico. And we're going to be sharing more about that. But first, I want to point us to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. A little town, maybe six miles or so from Jerusalem. It was a peaceful little town where Joseph and Mary stayed for a while after the baby was born. And things seemed to be going quite well with them. In fact, they just had some dignitaries from another country come that we call the Three Wise Men. And they gave them very expensive gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was probably within a year or two since the, the baby was born, and they, they lingered there because it was a nice place to live. I imagine Joseph maybe found some work there and, and a place to stay. They had friends, and it was just a nice little community for them to, to be in. And suddenly, everything changed. Joseph and Mary had to escape that peaceful little town in Bethlehem because King Herod had sent an army of soldiers with orders to kill every male child under two years old. And even the surrounding areas of Bethlehem, Herod would not take any chance that there may be another king to take his place. And so the soldiers were sent. But this was not a surprise to God. God knew this was coming. And so he sent Gabriel, his mighty angel, to Joseph in a dream and woke up Joseph and said, you must escape immediately with Mary and baby Jesus to Egypt. And you are to stay there until we give you word come back and when it is safe. How can this happen? They were just getting comfortable. It was just like their lives were turned upside down. They had gold and frankincense and myrrh now. They they had money. They, they had things to su- supply a nice education for the baby, a nice place to live. They had enough for a rainy day. But the rainy day had come way too soon. They had to escape with their lives with a little baby who was their promised Messiah. Imagine with me what it would would it be like for Joseph and Mary. Baby Jesus didn't really know what was going on. He was just maybe one or two years old. But Joseph and Mary knew the risk. They knew what was going on. They had to escape for their lives. The angel told them with no uncertain terms they had to leave right now. What kind of emotions would be going through your mind? What would you think about you and your baby and your family? What would you do? Well, I'm sure they would try to shake off the fear and, and just realize they had to act. They had to act. <clears throat> Could they tell their friends goodbye? No, there was no time. 
It would endanger them and their baby. No, they must quickly leave. There is no time to think about things. So just, just act. Just leave before the soldiers found them. Just grab a few things. They just couldn't fill a suburban full of clothes and tools and food and baby playpens and baby car seats and baby diapers for three months, a case of wipes, don't forget the wipes, favorite books and toys and all the shower gifts for the baby, utensils, plates, soap, water, baby bathtubs, sunscreen, lotions, vitamins, shampoo, hair dryer, change of clothes, For different weathers, times, seasons, shoes, jackets, hats, medications, and a first aid kit. No, none of that was possible. It was just the clothes on their back. Maybe some dry foods. Maybe they grabbed a water bottle, a blanket for the baby, and go. Just go. Quickly, quietly. But they had to go right now. Jerusalem is just 9.2 kilometers from Bethlehem. I know because I Googled it this morning on my my phone. It's about six miles. Back in the day, I could easily run six miles under an hour. But with a horse, it would take probably less than 30 minutes to go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. The soldiers could be there very, very quickly. We're not sure how much warning they had from the angel But they had to leave right away. They had to escape for their lives. Maybe some of you have some friends that live in Paradise, California during the the campfire, wildfire that swept through their little town. Quiet little community, many Adventists, wonderful church, wonderful hospital, many doctors, a nice school, great place to live. But the walls of the flames came so fast. When they realized how close it was to their house, many had to leave immediately with only minutes to get in the car and with a few belongings, grab and go. Many lost their homes, their belongings, their church, their school, their place of work. Their doctors are all gone now, the hospital. Some lost their lives. Some lost friends, pets, and animals. But most of them were spared by God's grace. God is good. Some of you have had experiences where you've had close calls, and you remember how God was good to you, how he protected you and saved your life, maybe. I know there are some in this room that have testimonies showing how God has protected them. But going back to Mary and Joseph, the Bible doesn't say much about their conversation on the way to Egypt. We don't know what they were thinking about, but imagine if it were me and my wife, we would wonder, well, where do we go? Where can we find a place in Egypt? We don't know anybody down there, and we're foreigners. And where do we stay, and who can we trust, and who can we talk to? Uh, where would we get more food? We're already out of, of diapers and clean underwear. It's only been 20 minutes. But <clears throat> we need more, more things. We must find someplace safe. Maybe if we can find a farmer's market and get some food. Maybe we could trade some of 
these things that the wise men gave us, maybe a little incense or some myrrh or something just to get some food. Maybe we could find a farmhouse or somebody that would show mercy on us and let us kind of work and maybe, you know, trade work for a room and board. Or maybe just stay in the wilderness and, and be like, you know, the sheep herders and, and maybe find a place to work herding sheep. I don't know what they did. We don't know. But what would go through your mind? What would you do? The angel didn't give a lot of instructions. And sometimes God doesn't give us a lot of instructions ahead of time. He just provides the right people at the right time just when we need it most. He doesn't spread out our lives ahead of us and say, in five years, you're going to lose your job. In five years, your wife will get sick. No, God doesn't do that. He gives you what you need for the day. But he does give it to you for that day. We must trust the words of the word of God. Trust his promises. We need to pray. And I'm sure as Joseph and Mary were traveling to Egypt, they held on to those promises, those precious promises that the angel gave them. Precious words from Isaiah and the books of the Old Testament that, that they, maybe they memorized that would give them help and strength. I know they would, they would pray asking God to guide them and lead them. But just as parents with a small baby, I'm sure they were, were worried and afraid. They were fearful of what the future might bring. But they believed and trusted in the words of the angel, knowing that God would provide their needs. Let's look at the words that were given to them. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. And now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Out of Egypt I will call my son. And then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentations, weeping. And great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Can you imagine as parents with a child trying to escape for your lives and then hearing news about what happened in Bethlehem and to their friends and their children? 
It'd be very traumatic, to say the least. But they had their promises that God would protect them and guide them. Sometimes we don't know why God allows people to die, to go through heartache and trial. But we live in a world full of trauma, full of sin, full of heartache. And I know it's God's desire to take us home, a place where it's safe, where children are always safe. I imagine Joseph would try to comfort Mary, and he would recite the words of the angel to her. And and Joseph could have said, Remember, Mary, what the angel said to me when you were pregnant, and I was afraid to marry you. And Mary would say, Yes, I remember. And they would reminisce the words of the angel and the words of the prophets concerning the child, the promised Messiah. Let's look at some of these precious promises in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Just back another page. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. I'm sure Joseph and Mary could talk about these things on the long trip. It was a tough journey with a child. I'm not sure if they still had a little donkey or not, but even with that, it was a long trip. You can't stop at McDonald's to use the bathroom or get some water. You can't stop at a rest stop. There was none. There was just... A journey, very difficult back then. Sometimes caravans would go through and travelers would sometimes join a caravan if they were allowed. But when you're escaping from Herod, you'd be kind of afraid to tell anybody who you were, where you were going. It'd be a very frightful thing. And so I know the Lord provided for them because they brought them back out of Egypt. But sometimes we don't have all the answers. We just have to trust in the Lord. And Joseph could have asked Mary to tell him again what the angel had told her. Do you remember, Mary, what what the angel told you? And she said, yes, of course I remember. How could I forget? I have treasured all these experiences in my heart, and I think about them all the time. 
And so Mary and Joseph would encourage one another with verses, with experiences with the angel and with the word of God. We can find her story in the book of Luke, chapter 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. I'll begin at verse 26. And now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the child of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been found favor. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Notice verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible for God. I found that when I'm sure the when I'm unsure of the future, it is very comforting for me to claim Bible promises, to try to remember some verses in the Bible that bring peace and hope and encouragement. I love Psalms 103, and it just is so good to put that through my mind almost daily. It's so full of hope and promises that. He takes away our sins. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He treats us not like as we deserve, but he gives us his mercy that endureth forever. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the mercy toward those who fear him. And so a few weeks ago, Joe and I went on a a peaceful vacation, we thought, to Puerto Vallarta. It turned out to be one of the most stressful experiences I've ever had when we discovered Joy's passport was stolen just hours before our flight was to leave back home. And so I thought I'd ask Joy to come up and share with us uh, some of the things that, that happened and from her perspective. Good morning. So... This is the story about my stolen passport in Mexico, but I have to give you a little bit of the backstory of how it happened. Um, 
It started when we got a phone call from the Hyatt telling us that um, they wanted to give us a vacation, which was all-inclusive to Puerto Vallarta for a greatly reduced rate if we would just listen to a 90-minute presentation of their new resort. I felt like they were a trusted company, so we said yes, because we'd never been there before, and I've always wanted to see Puerto Vallarta. So um, later we found out it actually wasn't even the Hyatt at all, and when we questioned them about this, they said, well, they were affiliate partners. And um, where we went was um, a resort called Vallarta Gardens. Um, <clears throat> when we go on vacation, we just always like to stay busy. Every day is an adventure. Every day we're doing something. We like to explore and um, our kids have teased us that we are definitely not the type of people that like to just sit by the pool and relax. Um, so apparently our vacation style did not fit the mode of the management at this resort. Um, I think they expected most people to come and just stay there. And that wasn't what was on our agenda. Um, so the first day, we decided to go exploring the city. Ron, you know, had heard about the old town he wanted to see. And um, on our airplane, somebody else was telling us about this other beautiful area that I wanted to see. So that's what we decided to do that day. And um, this property, the way it's situated, it has... Um, it's a guarded, guarded gates. There, there's um, a gate in and a gate out, and um, there's a big guard station with a lot of people in it, with glass all around, and they have glass they could see to the outside and the inside. And um, so we, when we went up to try and get out of the gate, they kind of gave us some trouble, <laughs> like they didn't want us to leave. And we were very surprised, and we didn't really think it's something that they should care about. But they did, and we finally got out um, and um, went to explore the city. And one of the things that we were, was on our agenda that we really wanted to do was to go zip lining because my son-in-law had been there when he was young on a on a cruise and he said they have amazing zip lines and so the next day we decided to go on a zip line and um it was even harder to get out of the gate that time we went up to the gate and they wouldn't let us out, and the guy called somebody, and then he said, here, you need to speak to this person. And so then the man I was speaking to actually became really mean and um, didn't want to let us go, and he said, you know, that he, they were thinking that we're going to um, want to 
you know, buy some other timeshare and they didn't want to let us go. And I said, well, we've, you know, we've got these reservations. We're going on the zip line. And he said, okay, you can go, but I will be talking to you when you get back. And um, we felt like we were in a communist country. <laughs> so, wow. And we hadn't even gone to their presentation yet. We were just kind of shocked and wondering if these people had ever heard about how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> because I don't, you know, I don't think that we were like really wanting to stay there. Um, anyway, when we did go to the presentation the next day, we had a salesman that was, um, he was from the United States. He was American. And so we kind of told him how brutal it was to get in and out of the gate. And, and he recognized that fact. And he said that he had told, you know, he tells people like great restaurants and stuff. And he said one of the great restaurants was across the street. And, um, the guards weren't even letting people go out to get tacos. <laughs> And um, so he apologized. He was said he was sorry about the way the the guards were treating people. Um, but anyway, I guess we just didn't even realize what we had signed up for. And um, then because we didn't buy the timeshare, um, we felt like the management was was really upset with us. I just I had bad feelings about it, like the day before we were leaving. Um, so on the day that we were supposed to leave, I got up really early and just went went downstairs to do, you know, to pray and to do Bible study. And um, it was interesting as I was looking back over these passages that I had read, how I felt like God was just totally with me, preparing me for what was going to happen that day. And it was, you know, time that I could just um, re- reflect and, and give him some things that I was feeling about the whole situation. And um, it's from Psalms 123, Psalms 124, and 125. And and I'm just going to be skipping around, and this is from the New International Version, so it's, you might have a hard time following me. Anyway, Psalms 123. I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. And I said, yes, Lord, that's... How I feel, and um, looking to God for mercy. And Psalms one twenty four. I'm skipping verses. If the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, the raging waters would have swept us away. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And I just thought, wow, who is our help? Our help is is the maker of heaven and earth that just all he has to do is speak. And worlds come into existence and stars are flying across the sky. 
I mean, what more mighty help could we possibly have as our creator God, whose, whose words create? And um, Psalms 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. God is our protector. He's always there for us. And um, anyway, after I got done with my worship, it was still early, and um, I went back back into bed and... Um, and then I was starting to drift off to sleep when a thought came in my mind. And the thought was, your passport is missing. And I just kind of blinked my eyes and I sat up in bed and I said, Ron, I think my passport's missing. And um, we went and grabbed my suitcase and in the pocket of my suitcase where my passport always was. We looked in there, and it was gone. And um, the reason it was in my suitcase and not the safe that was in the condo is because the safe was broken. It it didn't work. (laughs) And so I guess we should have thought of better places, but Ron also had his passport in his pocket of his suitcase, and it was still there. Um, so anyway, I just, I feel like, um, I probably could have figured that out the day before because I'm sure it was the day before and I'm pretty sure I knew when it happened, but God was so gracious. He, he let me sleep. He let me have a peaceful night's sleep before he directly told me as I was drifting back to sleep that this was not the time to sleep. You now need to get up and you need to address this problem. (laughs) So um, God was about to lead us on a journey of faith. And God's purposes are always greater than the problems that we are going through. So the police came and um, the management was supposed to interpret for us, but I noticed that the management was talking and talking, and the police were just standing there saying nothing, and um, they actually used it, I think, for another opportunity just to um, make us miserable. <laughs> and um, they wanted to know every single place that we had been, and where we went and when we went and with who and and even though I told them the passport never left my suitcase I did not take my passport with me when I went anywhere but they still insisted then they went through my suitcase they went through Ron's suitcase every single thing and um, when the, the police um They were kind of at the end of their report, but to finish the report, we had to go to the police station downtown somewhere, and um, none of the police spoke English, so we had to bring an interpreter 
they told us. And um, anyway, this was taking more and more time. And we could see, you know, we wanted something else to be happening. And so we we knew it wasn't necessary to finish filing that report to get a new passport. We just we just wanted to go to the US Embassy. And so we said, you know, we decline going down down with the police, being that they're not gonna understand us anyway, and um and we just wanna we just wanna go to the US Embassy. And so um they got us a taxi cab. The driver totally didn't speak English at all, and um and he was very confused about where where we were going even though they told they told him <laughs> this is what they told him they told him to take us to the US embassy we found out there is not a US embassy in Puerto Vallarta it's in Mexico City and um anyway so no wonder he was as confused as we were and he he stopped twice to ask other taxi drivers like there was a taxi hub and um, where where to take us. He didn't know where to take us. And so anyway, um, he ended up taking us to gover- a city center that had government offices, different offices there. And we wandered around there for a bit, and then finally someone um, told us to go to a tourist, travel tourist office that was there. And so we went inside, and thankfully they spoke English, and they were nice. And um, they they told us, no, there, there's no um, U.S. embassy here, but there is a U.S. consulate, and that's who you need to go to. And that's 30 minutes back right where you came from. And um, they said there was one problem, that the U.S. consulate closed at noon, just you know, closed, and that was it. They were only there in the morning, and it was around 11.15 right then. And so um, the lady wrote down the address for me, and she said, you need to you need to get in the taxi right now, and you need to get there before they close. And so we're like, okay, we went running out of there, running to the taxi, and then Ron says, I don't have money for the taxi. <laughs> and so... This is all God's leading. I mean, God's amazing. And so, um, anyway, um, so we needed to find we needed to find an ATM or something to get some pesos. And so um, we asked some people, and you know, think, thankfully for nice strangers that know how to speak a bit of English, um, some people they. They were, they directed us to a bank because our phones weren't really working properly. And I was hoping, um, that Siri could help translate for me, but she didn't even come to Mexico. So <laughs> it was not what I thought. Um, anyway, we went to the bank and, um, they couldn't give us any money. Um, so, 
someone there directed us to an ATM and we went down where they we thought they told us and it wasn't there and we ended up back around at that same tourism office. I said, "Oh, look at this, Ron. We're back to where we came from." And so um, we knew they spoke English in there, so we thought, well, let's just go back in there and ask them where the ATM is. And so we did, and they directed Ron with good directions. And I said, Ron, while you go get money, I'm just going to sit right here. They had, you know, they had some some sofas and and some tables and chairs and stuff. And I said, I'm just going to sit right here. I'm going to go through my luggage again one more time to see if that passport might be there. And um, and then when I did that, I had my eye on the lady who had given us the original directions to the, to the consulate. Um, and um, when she got off the phone, I, I went and and told her what had happened. I said, we didn't have money for the taxi, so my husband's right now at the ATM. And I said, I can see we're probably not going to make it. And so could you give me the phone number? And um, she's like, okay. And so she looked it up again, and and um, she actually called on her landline, which was wonderful. And then she let me talk to them, and they came right on the phone, the U.S. consulate. So praise God again. And so um, the U.S. consulate told me, you know, I explained my situation. She said, well, an emergency passport, we could order you an emergency passport, and it's going to take seven to ten days to get here. And I just started crying at that point. And I said, I don't have anywhere to stay. I have no place to go. I just need to go back home. And she said, well, listen. She said, you are not the first person that this has ever happened to. And I'm going to tell you what to do. And I'm just like, oh, praise the Lord. Okay, I'm listening. I am all ears. She said, you need to get as close to the border as possible. And I thought, what? I'm not sure what she meant. And she says, where do you live? And I said, I live in California. She said, well, then you need to fly to Tijuana. She said, when you fly to Tijuana, you can probably get across the border with just your driver's license. And I'm just like, praise the Lord. So when Ron came back in, I was so happy, and I told him, Ron, we have a plan. (laughs) And um, I just, you know, we just took the opportunity to praise the Lord at that point for not having money for the taxi, for coming back to that same office, and for being able to get the U.S. consulate on the phone before they closed so now we had money to the taxi to get to the airport, which we were much closer to the airport than we, you know, we were about 15 minutes away. And so um, I kept claiming through all of this Deuteronomy 3.22, which is a precious promise to me that um, God is always with me. And um, you are not to fear 
Because the Lord, your God, is going to fight for you. And I was so thankful for that promise and many more. So um, we went up to the American Airlines counter, which is where we had our tickets to fly back home, and told them our situation, and, and they're like, oh, no, no, you can't, oh, you can't fly without a passport, and we said, we know, we know that, um, but we can't, we're just, you know, canceling our flight because we're not going to be able to make it. Is there any chance we could get some kind of travel voucher or something for the future? And thankfully, they did work that out, and we've got some kind of voucher, and um, we were so grateful. And then we said, okay, well, we need to go to Tijuana. Like, when's your next flight? She's like, we don't fly to Tijuana. And she said, um, "There's we only fly to the States. And she's like, there's only one airlines. And it's way, you know, their counter is way down there. But you, they're never at their counter. They're never there, and so you need to make your reservations online. And I'm like, oh, brother, our phones don't even work. I know this was going to be a problem trying to make reservations online. And um, and she says, they're, um, they're down there, and it's like a purple banner. And she's, wait a minute. There's somebody at their counter right now. <laughs> Praise God again. And... Um, so so we went running down there, and there was someone at their counter because they were boarding a plane right then. They, you know, had a bunch of people. They were trying to board a, a plane. And so there was only one person that could sell us a ticket, and we had to wait until that, that plane was boarded. So we were waiting about 30 minutes there, and... Um, Thankfully, I just kept praying, Lord, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. And, and I'm just saying, my mind is on you, Lord. Give me peace. Help my heart to stop beating so fast because, you know, I was hoping they would have a flight to um, Tijuana that day. And so when we got there and talked to the agent, um, guess what? God answered another prayer. And they had a flight leaving at 6.30 p.m. that that night. And um, I don't know if it was around 2 o'clock or so by then. But anyway, we had several hours before we could even check our luggage back in um, to them. They told us to come back to the counter at, at 4.30. She, she sold us the ticket to the flight. And then um, she said... There's um, there's a brand new bridge that connects Tijuana to San Diego, and um, it's called CBX, which is stands for California Border Express. And um, she said it's the easiest, fastest, safest way to get across the border. Um, it's kind of expensive, though. It's like $18 each to go across this way because it saves you so much hassle. People are willing to pay the price. So, um, so, so we said, okay, we'll, we'll go ahead and do that. And we purchased that. And, um, and then we went to 
get some lunch and um, to sit down and to, I text a few few dear friends and told them what was going on. And so we had prayers, um, many people praying that knew about it. Um, we were able to book a hotel room and then we started searching for how to get back to San Luis Obispo from San Diego. And um, it was going to be pretty expensive. We searched all kinds of different ways. And so um, we were able to talk to Corey, and he said, I want to come and get you guys. And that just really, it, it was so wonderful to know that... Um, we had someone that was going to come get us, and and uh, we just felt safe knowing that. And so, I, while I was sitting there, you know, praying and praising God, this thought came into my mind: You have an old expired passport at home. Why don't you ask Corey to take a picture of of your expired passport? Maybe it would help. And so I had Corey do that, get in the file drawer. He took a picture and um, was able to forward that to us. And um, and so then we told him uh, where we were going to be staying. And, you know, he had to pretty quickly get ready to go because it's what? It's like a five, six-hour trip down to get us. So, um, anyway, at 4.30, we went back to check in our luggage at the airlines. And as we were standing there, we're kind of sharing our story with everybody because of all the things that have happened. And so there was a man, and he was, um, he was, uh, uh, he was a Hispanic, you know, citizen of the United States. And so he kind of shared with us, he said, you guys bought a ticket to go across the CBX bridge? He's like, uh-uh. He's like, says, you know, they know you just got off the plane and they're going to have to see your passport. And um, you can't go across the border that way. And we thought, oh, I guess we just wasted some money And um, he said, what you need to do is go outside the, you know, the airport, get a taxi, have them take you to the border, and then walk across the border. And if you're really nice and you're laughing and joking with the guards and stuff, they'll let you through with just your driver's license. So it's not as hard to get across that way. So he told us that was his recommendation. And then we boarded the plane, and um, we were sitting right behind, right in front of um, some men that were behind us. That as they were talking to the other passenger that was there, um, we could tell that they lived in San Diego. And I thought, well, aren't they smart? You know, to fly in and out of Tijuana actually saves you a lot of money than to fly in and out of San Diego. And so I thought, well, they're probably more aware of the boarding border crossing since this is what they do, you know. They've obviously done it before. And so um, 
I thought I really would like to talk to them to find out what they think. And um, so one of them got up to use the restroom, even though it was a really short flight. And I, I was thankful because I hopped up right after him so that I could talk to him. I couldn't turn around and talk to him because, you know, the seats are high and you can't even see who's behind you. So um, anyway, so that was the perfect opportunity. And I explained my situation and asked him about the border crossing. And he said... Um, he said, you've already paid for that CBX. And and he's like, I'll tell you what I would do. He said, um, why don't you stick with us and we'll try and see if we can get you across the border. He said, if they say no, you only have, it's only five minutes that you've wasted. You can just turn around and go do your plan B. But he said, if you, go, if you get across the border on the CBX crossing where we're crossing too... Um, we, you know, we had communicated with him by that time where our hotel was and everything else. And he said, we're going right past your hotel. He said, we would be glad to take you to your hotel and save you like a, a 50 to $70 taxi cab fare. And we, and so we thought, wow, that would just be so awesome if God could get us across that border so we could go with them, and they were so nice, and I just felt so comfortable with them. And um, so so that's what we did. And so as we got up to the CBX crossing, they have a bunch of stations and different, different guards that you go through. So we went to the first one. We were all together. And um, they said, ah! They're like, you need a physical passport. I showed them the, you know, my expired passport on the phone. And they said, no, no, you need a physical passport to get across here. And um, those guys, they're just like, hey, we're all together here. Our, our car's just over on the other side. And she went to Mexico on vacation. And can you believe she was robbed? They took her passport. She was robbed, you know, and, and I'm just like, but I've got my expired one and my driver's license and, and they're like, you can see she's an American citizen, you know, and so, um, so the guy's like, oh, let me go talk to my boss. Let me get my boss. So the boss comes over and he's, you know, He's like 30s to 40s, just like these other guys were. And and we were laughing, they were laughing and joking, and, and they're just like, can you believe they robbed her? And now she doesn't have our pa- her passport, but we're all together here, and we need to go get our car. And and so the the boss guy, he looks, he looks at my expired passport, and and he's just like, okay, just go. Just go. And so that was just like so awesome. And so um then we went to the we went to another place and you know and he said I told them they could go, so let them go. And so then the third the third guard that we went to, we were separated then. We weren't all together. You had to go through one at a time. And um so the two guys had gone through 
and then I was next. And so then I, you know, I tell him, and he's, he looks at everything. He's like, uh-uh. He's like, you, you need a physical passport. You cannot come through here. And I said, but your boss, you know, he, he's, he cleared it. He said it was okay. He gave me permission. And he's like, well, who was that? And I said, well, and I looked around to try and find him. And I go, he's way over there, that guy with the glasses. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to go talk to him. And so then I'm like, okay. And so then I saw him in a distance talking to him. And I saw the boss guy go, I told her to go. I told her to go. And so I'm just like, he comes back and he goes, well, I guess today's your lucky day. And... um he gave me the ticket that I needed to get through, and so I put it on the on the machine, and the gate lifted up like this, and I walked through. And I was just praising the Lord. Um, it's just amazing how, you know, what God does. And um, then we went through the American side, which was a lot easier. He's like, you got through here without a passport? And I'm like, yeah, they stole my passport. And he's like, well, he, he told me directions to do to, you know, make sure that I claimed it as being stolen. And, um, and, and God just led us every step of the way. <sighs> and um, so I have to just say that these guys were nice enough to give us a ride to our hotel and as we, you know, told them a little bit of our story and everything, how God was with us every step of the way, and that they were part of God's plan to help us across the border. I mean, they were, they kept j- joking like, yeah, we got joy across the border. <laughs> and um, anyway, um, one of them told, was telling us how his grandmother was praying for him every single day. And I think their hearts were really touched as they, you know, knew our story and um, how they saw God move in mighty ways on our behalf. And I want to share a text with you right now, Second Corinthians four seventeen and 18, that we just praise God because he says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us in an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. His glory outweighs all of our troubles. For, in the next verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is so temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Praise God for that. How wonderful to experience God's faithfulness. To know that my Father can handle anything I put into his hands. He loves me. He's trustworthy. He can handle things that we can't even see or don't even know. God's hands are big enough to bless me and to keep me. His hands are big enough to bless you and to keep you too. God bless you all. God is amazing, isn't he? I'm so grateful that he 
showed mercy to us. <clears throat> and it's an experience that we'll never forget. But I hope by sharing this that you'll be encouraged that whenever you're in a situation, you can know that God is with you. He knows how to get through a situation. Uh, I was so amazed that <clears throat> when we got on the plane from Puerto Vallarta to Tijuana, it was packed. It was full. There was no empty seats in that plane. Somehow we got the last two seats on that plane. And it's only by God's providence. And we're just so glad to be home. And uh, I just want to uh, emphasize the last verse I read in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. <clears throat> Shall we pray? Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for what you've done for us, for giving us precious promises to hold on to, to give us the right people at the right time just when we need them, and giving us peace. We thank you so much, and we praise you. We want to lift up each one here this morning. I know in the future we don't know what will happen this coming year, but I know some of us will be going through trials and tribulations, heartache, but I pray, Lord, that you will remind us that you love us and that you will be with us and you'll help us through it all. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.